I'm going to be speaking about the abiding life, and as um, um, some people have said, um, it's something that's been uh, just really taken a hold of me uh, in the last sort of month or so, and I think it's probably going to be something that's going to take a hold of me my entire life. You know when God shows you something of revelation, and it's like so obvious, but it's like he really hits the deep bits of your heart? Well, that's what revelation is, where he reveals his word to you in a way that really just changes you. That's what revelation should do. He reveals something of himself, of his word, or of his ways, of his kingdom, that really just like flips your whole world upside down. And um, this has been one of those things that is something I think we all know. It's something we've all heard. But honestly, it's something that like I've heard it a thousand times, but it's like I've never heard it before. So if it, I'm the only one in that boat after today, then just bear with me because this is me getting excited about something that God has really changed me in. Um, a few weeks ago on Thanksgiving, my Nana and Papa were here on a Sunday. You might have seen them. They were the, probably the oldest in the room. They're in their late 80s. Joanne and Frank Nagy from Southern Ontario. Uh, great people, love them to bits, and they are like quintessential grandparents. Nana, Papa, Nagy. And just seeing them here, they're about just kind of like midway on these pews there. Just seeing them here worship, standing. I mean, my papa had a stroke recently. He can, if you saw him walk in, he's like literally, he's one of those, I mean, I think when you get old, you don't need to lift your leg anymore. Like, I mean, you've deserved it, but he just kind of shuffles. I mean, I'm going to do that. That's why they don't put stairs in old people's homes because they just like, I've already lived my life. Like, why do I need to lift my leg? This, this, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, that's literally what I've deserved not to do. And he just shuffling around, and he has, he has trouble standing, and he stood throughout the whole of the service. And my Nana and Pop were there just with their hands held on one side, and then their other hands raised. And 88 years old, I mean, golly gosh. I mean, like, most of us, like, when we say, <laughs> golly gosh, who says that? Um, I've been spending time with my Nana and Papa, apparently. <laughs> Golly gosh. <laughs> um, and uh, most of us, when we hear, like, raise your hands to the Lord, we're like, you know, like, oh, like, I'll raise them to, like, like halfway, you know, like, you know, I don't think we're a good church. We, we like to raise our hands, but, you know, like that awkward, like, do I raise them next? And then, and these, you know, they, they can hardly lift, you know, a, a bag. And there they are lifting their hands, praising God. And, and you wouldn't know this, but they've lived a, an incredible, amazing life but a hard life. But I think I can safely say that they lived a lifetime of faithfulness to Jesus, that they fought the good fight, and that they're fighting the good fight, bless them, they're still going, that they're gonna finish the race strong, and that they've kept the faith. Despite the loss, the tragedy, the death, the injustice, the low income, the long hours of work, every excuse to walk away with, from God, they remained with Jesus. A life that was full of joy and peace and love. They were gentle and kind, passionate for Jesus. The produce of a life that followed Jesus. A legacy that will last for generations. And as I looked at them, I wondered, what, what's the legacy that I'm going to leave in my life? What, what, what produce, what fruit am I going to produce over my lifetime? That people are going to look at and say, 
whether it was good or bad or whether it affected them or not, whether it blessed them or you know, made them angry, I'm sure it's going to do both. I mean, again, we're not all perfect. But what is the legacy that I'm going to leave? Will I be someone that's passionate for Jesus and his kingdom? Will I be known for someone who walked close to him? Leviticus 6, it says, of the Old Testament priests, this is some of the laws that were given to Moses, and it says, of the altar in the temple, it says, the fire of the altar, or the tabernacle, the fire of the altar is to be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest will burn wood on the fire. He is to arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat portions from the fellowship offerings on it. Fire must be kept burning on the altar continually. It must not go out. And I have a hunch that this is the same call for us today as the New Testament priesthood of Jesus. That the fire should keep burning in each and every one of us. A fire of passion for Jesus, for his kingdom, to be close to him. So how do we arrange the altar of our lives? How do we arrange the wood on the altar of our lives to keep the fire continually burning, that it must not go out? I grew up in a tradition, you know, where I was in, in a church tradition where when I became teen teenager, like a lot of us, like, you know, I'm like there on a Sunday or I'm at a camp conference and I'm passionate. He's changed my life. And he did. Those are good things. And we should do those things. And, and he, he's so gracious. He's so kind that we can run to the Father again and again and again. And he's there with open arms like we heard today. But then I'd go and I'd, as we all know, we'd go to a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday and that fire just kind of dissipates. And then I'm here to rekindle it again, God. I'm back again. When the fire should be burning continually. And I believe that one of the keys to burning continually for him is found in John 15 in what Jesus calls abiding in him. In his letter to Galatians, Paul talks about the same thing, I believe, which is walking by the Spirit. To keep the fire of passion of him burning. To continually have communion with God. Not just on a Sunday or at groups or at a conference. And all those things are good and we should do all those things. But the foundation of our life should be a constant, consistent relationship with Jesus. A life that's abiding. And I'm convinced in this teaching, we find the key to so much that the church needs right now. In seeing a move of God across our nation in seeing him move in power in our gatherings, to experiencing the overflowing life that Jesus promises, to battling insecurity, to defeating cyclical sin in our life, to, to, to being good pastors and leaders and discipleship mentors and bringing people along on journeys, to, to experiencing the peace of Christ the peace of Jesus that surpasses all understanding, I'm convinced the key is understanding the need and the invitation to abide with him, to remain in him. In John 1, when Jesus calls two of the disciples to come and follow him, they meet him and, and they want to be disciples. They actually leave uh, John the Baptist behind. They're walking with John the Baptist, and then like John the Baptist is like, there's the Christ, and they're like, see ya, John. I'm going with Jesus, and like, poor Pearl, John. Like, that kind of stuff for him, but they chose the right way, and then they're like, hey, we want to follow you, and he says something, and he says this. He says, come and see. Follow me, and he says, come and see. Come and hang. 
Come and follow me. Come and see what I got to offer. Come and be with me. And this was the open invitation of Jesus to all those disciples that followed him. And I believe is still today the open invitation for all of us in this room. You don't need to be on a stage. You don't need to be a leader in the house of God. But the open invitation for all of us is to follow close to him, to come and see, to be like him, to be those who look like Jesus. So how do we do this now? We don't live in what my kids call Jesus times. You know, we say, like, I don't live in the Jesus times. Um, He isn't here physically with us anymore. But if you've got your Bibles, turn to John 14. Before we jump into his teaching about John 15, sort of the sandwich that we find with John 14, 15, and 16. In the middle you find John 15 where we're going to come to, he talks about abiding in him. But either side of that teaching, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's important for us to understand that I believe Paul was talking about the same thing, where if we walk by the Spirit we will see his fruit produced in us. We'll come back to that. But in John 14, the closer Jesus gets to the cross, the more he starts talking about the Holy Spirit, the one who he will send, who he calls the Holy Spirit. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another counselor, another like myself, he's saying, another one like me. You're not only going to just have me, you're going to have somebody like me that lives with you constantly. And he will be with you forever. He will help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's him by his spirit. All of this I've spoken while I've, well, still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not Give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. According to Jesus, the way in which we have communion with God today is through his Holy Spirit. John Mark Comer says the first and primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. This is the baseline for all things following Jesus. That through his spirit, we too can accept the, the invitation to come and see. Come hang out. Be with me, says Jesus. Then in John 15, Jesus goes on to bring this great picture that helps us live the abiding life where he talks about abiding. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I will also abide or remain in you. Some translations say remain. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, I mean that's pretty down the line. You can do nothing without Christ. 
You can do nothing without Jesus. You can do nothing without his presence and without his Holy Spirit and remaining connected to the vine. Nothing, nothing, nothing of worth, nothing that lasts. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do we show ourselves to be his disciples? We bear fruit. How do we bear fruit? We abide. And we're gonna talk about how we abide today. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide in my love, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know, what, doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I've made, been made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is like my all-time favorite teaching of Jesus. It's become my all-time favorite teaching of Jesus. We, we, have, we all have favorites, but I think this is a, probably a good favorite, and I believe it's the core, it's the core message of what he's trying to get into us as his disciples as ones who follow him. He repeats this word abide about 10 times in this small teaching. He's trying to nail it home, like there's some importance to this. You know when somebody really wants to make something known to you, like they like repeat it again and again, like, like oh you know, like I really wanted that uh, beanie for Christmas um, coming up. And then they'll like say it again, like I really want that beanie, that yellow beanie that Adam has for Christmas, Alex. That yellow beanie that, Alex, that uh, Adam has, like I really like it. I repeat it so that it drives it home, right? The Greek word for abide is meno, which can be translated to remain. You might see that in your translation, abide. It really means stay at home in me. Remain in me, abide in me. Get into the Father's presence and remain. Make your home with him. Dig your roots down deep in him. Set up shop, don't leave. Continual connection and deep dependence on Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Remain in me. And he says you will bear fruit. Not only will you bear fruit, you will bear fruit that lasts. A legacy. One that, that affects other people. One like Frank and Joanne Nagy, where we can look back at their lives and, they say, and say they've been faithful servants. A fire that lasts. That doesn't go out on a Monday morning, but a fire that continues, that will last. Perpetual fellowship with God. A God awareness 24-7, seven days a week. And I think if, if I asked, I mean, let, let me just ask you, who wants that? If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're a follower of the way, 
Who wants that? Put up your hand. Let me just say, yep, most people. We all want it. I think, I think we look at this, we're like, yes, sign me up. I think most of us desire this. We know this teaching. We've heard it many times probably. So why don't we see the fruit that we always want to see in our lives? You know, maybe it's because sometimes we treat his presence like a hotel rather than a home. Where we come on a Sunday and we check in. Like, hi Jesus, I'm here. I've checked in. I'm, I, I want to be here. It's good. Like, uh, hotels are amazing. Like, we all love a hotel. Like, it's, there's something about a hotel. It's just like fun. It's like, it's just like, it's so amazing. I love hotels. It's like, oh, like you go and check all the rooms, turn all the lights on, like check that bathroom. Like, oh, it's got a little like microwave. It's got like a little mini, everything's mini, like a mini fridge. We relegate a relationship to Jesus down to a few hours on a, on a Sunday or a weekend at a camp or the leftovers of our day. Check in at the hotel, hotel to get the fire stoked again. Sometimes, if the ministry's good, we'll ask for a late checkout. You know, it's, today's really good, Jesus. I'm going to ask if I can stay till 3 p.m., and they're not going to kick me out at 12 p.m. We mistake union for communion. We're all of us as believers. If you've asked Jesus into your life and you've become a Christian, you've become united with Christ. By his grace and his goodness and the love of the Father, you've become united with him. You've joined with him. But union is the start of a lifelong communion. And all believers, I believe, have union with Christ. But we can also know communion with Jesus in greater or lesser degrees. While union with Christ doesn't ebb and flow, our experience of communion with Christ can. You see, he doesn't force us to abide. He desires relationship. He desires friendship. I call you friends. He desires communion. And any worthwhile relationship takes effort. We don't abide to a merit to, to earn merit. We don't abide and get with him on a Sunday to earn his love. We don't abide to earn his grace. We don't abide to earn anything. We abide to be with him. Not to get his love, but as we come to him, we realize he loves us no matter what. That he calls us friend. And as with any relationship, there are things that can either hinder or help it. And being a healthy disciple is simply accepting the invitation to come and see, to remain in him, and to abide in him. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he goes on to say, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. When we abide in the vine, here's the thing. When you abide in the vine, this is shock. This is shocking, okay? It's not actually. We all know this. If you remain in him, if you remain connected to the vine, guess what? The fruit will follow. And I, and I think that so much of, I know my past, has been focused on the fruit. I shouldn't do this. I should be more loving. I shouldn't sin. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do this. And we're willing something when really I just got to turn around and see that he's got his hand out stretched that I can be connected to him, and the fruit will follow. The fruit will flow. 
You know, relationship does something. And all of this in, in being like, well, we all want to be like Jesus. We all want to be like Christ. I hope so. I mean, he was awesome. He was amazing. He was full of peace. He was full of love. He's never in a hurry. I mean, I don't know why I did that. Never in a hurry. Uh, he did that. Never in a hurry. I don't know. That was weird. Very weird. He never did that, probably. <laughs> we all want to be like him. And one of the best ways to be like somebody else is have a relationship with them. We all know this. We, you mimic people that you hang around. You know, I never called anybody bro until I, I joined local. <laughs> it wasn't in my word or repertoire. Now I'm like, what's up, bro? How you doing, bro? I met Tyler. I met the New Zealanders. It's like, bro, 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 bro. Before it was like, I'm Southern Ontario. Dude, man, like, how you doing, dude? And I'm like trying to like get back, get dude back because like bro's like, we've got too much bro. We got to get some dude back in there. You start to rub off. You start talking like them, walking like them, thinking like them. Like, like the, this is the Levi walk. Yeah, this is my dance. That's you. And, and you, start to, you start to rub off on each other. You do. You start, to, you start to, to look like them even, dress like them, act like them. I mean, I didn't own a, a single pair of hokas until I joined this church. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in Jesus. For years, you know, I got it backwards. Focusing on the fruit. I got to do better. I got to be better. Trying to do stuff for him to keep the fire burning. In Galatians 5, Paul writes and he says, You are called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. This is what Jaden talked about a few weeks ago, that they'll know us by our love. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. I'm trying not to sin. I'm trying not to look at that website. I'm, not, I'm trying not to be uh, lash out at my kids. I'm trying to be more patient. I'm trying to be more that. He said, no, like, walk by the Spirit, and you will not. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. The more you abide in him, the more you walk by the Spirit, the more you abide and keep in step with the Spirit, you're going to start looking like him and acting like him, sounding like him. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. These are the fruit of things of a life where we aren't abiding, okay? Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. Don't know what that is. And anything similar. <laughs> stop carousing. You, stop carousing. <laughs> I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All of us look at that, we're like, yuck. But, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. 
Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. Come and see. We must also follow Jesus. Come and see. We must not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. I grew up hearing this passage read in church. And I don't think it was the intention, but the way I might have heard it was that it was a list of commands. That the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And I read that as like commands. Taught as if, God, uh, taught as if Paul, or God through Paul, was giving commands, be more loving, be more kind, be more joyful, be more patient. Don't do this. But Paul isn't commanding us to, to be more kind. He isn't commanding us to be more peaceful. There are places in Scripture where there's a command to love one another. Yes, I know. But love and peace and patience, we have to understand, are not a matter of the will. But the produce or the product of a heart transformed by Jesus. Of one that abides in him. We can use all our willpower in the world for a little bit. Of course, willpower will help you be more loving. Of course, I can will patience into existence. But by 9.48 a.m., my patience has run dry. Alex will tell you. <laughs> it's not lasting fruit. If I want lasting fruit, then I need to abide. We can act more loving through the will, but we can't be more loving. One is from a place of effort or, or works, I would say, and one is from a place of rest, abiding, being with him. Paul doesn't command us to be any, more, any of those things. The only command that I find in this is sort of sandwiched either side, and it's this, walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. Because what Paul is trying to show us is that we're so focused on the fruit and trying to get the fruit right, the fruit to taste great, when we're not looking at the root, when we're not looking at what we're connected to. Stop doing, don't worry about all this, he's saying. Walk by the Spirit and you will. Walk by the Spirit and you will not. It's the fruit that follows. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. We can't be more loving or patient or kind or will sin away, but we can constantly open up our lives to the Holy Spirit and let him work through us. You know, Alex and I, we love every year tradition, like most of us in this country, going to the apple orchard when it's fall. It's the fall thing to do. It's like, that's my fall, like, ooh, it's so cozy, beanie, and like, ooh. I love the orchard. Ooh. And we like look at each other. We have our like our donuts, our apple cider donuts. They're so yummy. And we look at each other. Like it's so, it's like, I just love fall. It's like the leaves and it's just so beautiful. And we walk through the trees and we pick the trees and I make a little reel about how perfect our family is. And um, we have like a little cup of tea and I don't drink tea, but I like have a hot apple cider and it's just beautiful. It's just nice. And as we're walking around, I'm looking at the apple trees and I look at them and just so beautiful. Like I just look at this apple tree and this, I mean, they're all different kinds. I, I don't even care. They all look like apples to me. <laughs> Macintosh. And we always ask for the one that 
there's one in particular, top tip, that doesn't go like brown, it stays white the longest so that you can like keep it for a long time. I don't know if it tastes any better, but there's one, what's it called? Do you remember? I don't know. It doesn't know. There's <laughs> top tip that didn't give you anything. <laughs> just, just go and ask for the ones that don't bruise, okay? <laughs> but I, I look at these trees and they're bearing fruit. But I, I know, I've never seen it, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a stressed, I've never seen a stressed out apple tree in my life. I don't like walk and I see an apple tree and it's like, ooh, I just want fruit. Like, ooh, like apple. Like willing the apples into existence. No, the way that it bears fruit is the branch remains connected to the trunk. Or in our case, the branch remains connected to the vine. <laughs> That's a weird analogy. We're all gonna be walking through the apple, tr apple orchard and thinking about that. Stressed out apple trees. It's not about trying harder, but it's about abiding, abiding in the vine, producing the character of Jesus in our everyday life. So one of the things that, that I like to do, and I've started doing, is just taking stock of my life. And although we don't focus on the fruit, one of the big indicators that something's off with my abiding is that I'm producing rotten fruit or I'm not producing the fruit that I want to see in my life. So one of the questions to us is how do we produce this good fruit? Is, is the fruit being produced in your life good? Is it what you want? Are you seeing the results that you want? If you're not, then there might be a disconnect with the, the vine. If you're not seeing what you want to see, then something needs to shift. And it might be because there's a disconnect. Jeff Foxworthy, who was a comedian in probably like the late 90s, early 2000s. Anybody hear of Jeff Foxworthy? Yeah, like some of the older guys and the old souls. And he had this bit which was about rednecks. He's from the south of, of the U.S., full of rednecks apparently, at least from his comedy sketches. And he had this bit which was, you might be a redneck. I don't know if you've heard this. And he used to do these one-liners, and he used to stand there, and he used to go, if you've ever cut your grass and found a car you might be a redneck. If you own a home that is mobile and five cars that aren't, you just might be a redneck. If you think the stock market has a fence around it, you just might be a redneck. And it was a great, it was great. I and mean, he has like a whole ton of them. Um, and it's, they're hilarious. Remind me of my Southern Ontario days. That's how I grew up, basically. Um, and, I, and I was... I was just thinking about him the other day, and I was thinking about this in, in, in the lens of abiding. If I'm jealous of other people and their lives, I just might not be abiding. If all I see is other people's faults, I just might not be abiding. If I'm comparing myself to others all the time, I might not be abiding. If I'm constantly insecure, I might not be abiding. If I'm isolating myself and stop prioritizing community, I might not be abiding. If I'm worried constantly about what's ahead, I might not be abiding. If I'm finding it hard to hear his voice, I might not be abiding. If, if I think of myself as a nobody and a loser, I might not be abiding. 
If I'm in fear, I'm stressed out all the time, I might not be abiding. If I'm putting others down to make myself look good, I might not be abiding. If I'm relying on substances for joy and escape, I might not be abiding. If I use my influence to coerce people to do what I want, I might not be abiding. And if you take stock of your life and the fruit isn't lining up with what Jesus has for you, and the way you know you want to live all those hands that came up, there must be a disconnect. I know there's something off when the fruit isn't lining up with the life of Jesus. And I thank God for his grace and his mercy that we can run to him again and again and again. Hear me right. And I know you might have heard those things and you thought of like nuances like, what about this and what about this and what about, there are going to be like asterisks. I'm not here to go cover every one of them. But, I am here to say that no matter what you're going through in life, if we're abiding, that no matter what storm comes your way, no matter what trouble comes your way, no matter what hardship, being with him is the best place to be. Being beside him, with him, walking with his spirit, fruit will flow from fellowship, not the other way around. We see these signs will follow those who believe. We don't follow the signs, they follow us. The fruit flows from fellowship. Gift flows from fellowship. Anointing flows from fellowship. Medieval monk Brother Lawrence called it the practice of the presence of God. There's a great book called The Practice of the Presence of God, and it's, a, it's one that I can't even hold. Um, it's okay. You can leave it. I don't need it. Because um, <laughs> I've read it. <laughs> um, He's a 15th century Parisian monk. He was a soldier, got saved, joined a monastery. And he was a dishwasher in this monastery. And he became known for someone who, in whatever he did, he, he recognized the presence of God around him and with him. And, and he became known for abiding. He wasn't a priest, he was a dishwasher, and he says this, he, he wrote this in one of his letters. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer, and the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several, several persons are calling for different things, I possess God in his great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. This is a Catholic monk, and he's saying that, that, that the communion, the cup, and, and, and the bread... He, he feels God in just as much that time as in the, the noise and clatter of the kitchen when monks are calling for lentil soup through the door. Abiding is learning to live in two places at once. Eating our ramen and in his presence. See, abiding is continual. It's being at home in his presence. Changing the baby and in his presence. Getting the kids' lunches made and in his presence. In traffic on the 417 and in his presence. On a Zoom call and abiding. Gaming with friends and abiding. Doing the laundry and abiding. Studying for an exam and abiding. Not that we become like monks. We're not monks. We're not first century Jewish priests like Jesus. But I believe there is a template set by Jesus where we can all abide 24-7 and have communion with him. Where we don't become wacko weirdos where it's like, oh, I'm just talking to the Father like 24-7. No, we just remain in his presence. We know he's with us. And therefore, the fruit that's expressed in our lives flows through that. Where we're patient, where we're kind. All those things that Paul said. Can we get the keys come up? Or was there keys today? Yeah, thank you. 
You could tell I'm not a musician. William Paulsell says, it's unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives, but there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence or what we call God awareness in the routine of daily living. Right in this chaos and the stress and the reality of 2023, we can walk with the Spirit. I like how he calls it the practice of the presence of God. It takes, it takes, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning, okay? So there is some effort that's needed on our end. If we want to abide, then we need to put some work in. When I joined this church, I was fat. Straight up, lost like 50 pounds while I've been here. It's been amazing. I feel way lighter. I can go upstairs now and not be out of breath. It's sweating. And I wanted to get my life like, I wanted to flip it around. And, 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 and so I wanted to run like those who run in this church, like Isaac. I wanted to run a marathon. I was like, bucket list item. And I've tried to run like, Alex was saying that in the UK, I tried to run a half marathon without any training. It was ridiculous. Like, I'm young, I'm fit. And I was like, I, I was last. I mean, there was walkers, like old lady walkers, like walking by me. I was like, <laughs> and I, I got over the line. I did it, but I did it in effort. And I did it without any, like, training and work. And abiding takes effort. It takes reorganizing our life to the template of Jesus. If we want the life, then we have to have the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want the life of Jesus, then you need the lifestyle of Jesus. You see, I, I don't think it's a matter of want for us or desire. We want the life, but not the lifestyle. We want the fruit, but not the fellowship. We want to be disciples, but not the discipline. We want the presence, but not the pruning. We want the spirit, but not the sacrifice. We want the results, but not the relationship. And if we want to abide, like me who wanted to run a marathon, I had to put in some work. And, and all of us, we see musicians, it's any part of life, we see musicians, we see anybody that's good at their craft, Olympians, divers, dancers, woo! Like, you, if you wanna be a good dancer like Sanya, you gotta put in the effort. She's practicing, you gotta practice the practice of the presence of God. And there were things he did, habits in the life of Jesus, spiritual practices that aligned his life to abide in the Father and as a result, he produced fruit. They were practices that we all know, prayer, fasting, living in community, Sabbath, reading the Bible, silence and solitude, worship. And it's important to understand that all of these practices are a means to an end, and the means to the end is relationship. I don't read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible, to know it more. I mean, that's good. I don't pray just, pray just a tick of tick box and say that I did it, you know, my my Instagram post with like a coffee and open Bible, like, look, everybody, I did it. Woo, great Christian. No, I do it to, to abide, to be near him. There's practical, intentional ways that we can present ourselves before God to hear the coach, like those Olympians, to be those who put in the work. Holy Spirit, you're here. And through prayer, today I'm here. 
I was distracted, but now I'm here. That's, that's what the spiritual practices are. It's, it's a way of realigning ourselves to say, you know, in, the, in the chaos, in the winds, and everything, I'm, I want to be with you. One of the words that I think about when I think about vines, or one of the things I think about is a trellis, a structure. There's, there's something that I've been going through that we'll look at in the new year. I think we're going to look at it in the new year as a church, and it's called the rule of life, which is basically habits that you can put into your life to become closer to Jesus. Habits that we in community, walk in community, to be a healthy church, to be healthy disciples, to say, I'm committing to do this, this, and this, not out of effort or, or, or works or, or trying to gain anything like of love of Christ, but because I want to be close to him, and I want to be healthy. And I want to look like him. And I want, to, I want to see this world transformed. I want to see revival. And the way we're going to do that is by you and I looking like him. And, and the rule of life, the root, the, word, the root word, like the Latin word for rule, is the same word used for trellis. And the practices and these things through prayer and through being with him and through abiding, they're a structure in our lives that allow the vines to grow. Otherwise, you know what? If we don't have a structure in our life, then we're only going to produce a fraction of the fruit that it, we're capable of and become vulnerable to disease and wild animals like the vine that is left on the ground. And like with any craft, you have to start somewhere. And here's my challenge today. If we could get everybody up, actually, from the worship team. Everybody wants to stand today, conscious of time. You know, you might be hearing this and you think, well, like, you're saying it's not about works, but then I got to put an effort. You're saying, Caleb, like, I got I to gotta do this, practice, but you're saying don't work for it. Um, yes, to all of the above. Just know that firstly, there's, con there's grace. Just ever take a deep breath. We all want to be like Christ. And, and it's going to feel like two steps forward, three steps back at times. You know, in this journey that I've been on this last few months, it's felt like that. I don't always get it right. I have like a rule of life that I set, no screen time before I have my abide time. And I, and I, I don't always do it. I, you know, there's grace. We're not going to become religious with this. But it doesn't mean we neglect those things. We don't neglect the trellis. And so here's a challenge. Here's the long-term challenge. And we're going to go through this, I believe, in the new year. But just before then, ask yourself, where can you simplify your life down to what really matters, slowly cutting out anything of the extra unnecessary activities and gradually add in the practices of Jesus? Take time on your trellis. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Even now, just if you want to close your eyes, let's, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to show you where he wants to prune. You know, pruning sometimes feels painful or unproductive, but from what I've read about pruning, it is always to produce growth. Not only dead branches, I believe he's going to, right now, the Holy Spirit's showing you dead things in your life that you need to cut out. Fruit that's become rotten, that's not of him, that it's all flesh. And in this moment, what we can do right now is we can align our lives to God and say, I want to be with you. I want to abide with you. I'm practicing the presence. That's all it takes. And you don't have to be weird about it. It's just, just like a, I just recognize that you're with me. 
in my work day, just take five minutes. Just, I recognize that you're here and allow them right now to do that. You don't have to say anything, but the master gardener that we heard about at camp, the gardener comes around and he just tenderly starts to prune. The dead things, yes, but sometimes he cuts out things that may have given you life before that aren't fit for the next season. Some of us, you know, married churches, Grenoblegs, we've had to cut things out of our life now. We had the pruning to do. The married churches are, are going back to New Zealand and there's a pruning that's happening with them going back. There's a pruning for me. I had to say no to a job that I really liked. And it's great, I love my work. We do great things. So it's not necessarily the bad things. Sometimes pruning is there to, to redirect growth if it's starting to go in the wrong direction. That's what pruning can be used for as well. But be intentional. Make a list of what are those things, those core practices that bring you close to Jesus. And you'll know what those are. I've given you some ideas, but just do it your way. You know, I don't sit in a quiet closet and pray for an hour in silence. I'm not wired like that. I want to get to that stage, but I'm not wired like that. So I go on a run or I go for a walk and I feel like God speaks to me that way. I speak in tongues, I, I worship, I, I go for prayer runs, I read the scriptures. Find what works for you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, what's your personality type, what's your stage of life, whether you've got new kids or you know, you're, they've flown the nest, and, and just do what Jesus did within that. I don't pray within a closet, but I pray and I abide. Take your time, he's full of grace. The key, though, is consistency. When I wanted to learn to run, the best thing for me was to be consistent in my training. That's long-term. Short-term advice is what I just said. Set aside five, 10 minutes a day. That's it. And just be intentional and recognize that Jesus is with you. And that's where the life of abiding starts. starts. That's where the trellis starts to, to build. As I personally focused on building my trellis and will continue to in order to be with him, I found actually that some pretty great fruit's been produced. I find that I've, I'm at my best when I'm abiding. I'm, I'm better with Alex and my kids when I'm abiding. I've got so much clarity and focus as a result of abiding because I'm, I'm close to him. I hear his voice more clearer, clearer than ever before when I'm abiding because there's proximity that's close. I'm more secure, I'm more at peace. And there's an open invitation today to a life that's waiting for you. The same one that we read at the beginning. Come and see, abide, walk in the spirit, run to the Father again and again and again. Every day I come to you again. I abide to be with you, and fruit will follow.